Welcome, everyone, to another week of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And my name is Ara. Now, uh, we have a website. It's chatterboxgameshow.com. More importantly, we have a Facebook page. Someone even sent us a message this week to remind us that we hadn't been putting our own messages on our Facebook page, which is uh, slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So, I did post something. I, I like I, I'd your response, actually. Yeah. I was thinking of responding, and then... I decided that any response I would give uh, would only make the situation worse. The response where I was like, yep, we suck? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I like that. That's, it seemed about accurate. Because you know, we get uh, distracted with things. Well, look, I don't, I don't even want to get into the temerity of uh, criticizing why some people who spend time to do a show every week uh, aren't uh, present enough on other things. But... Well, it I w- digress. It was, Let it us- was my option to start the Facebook page, right? So I don't think you should feel obligated to be on it. But I certainly feel bad when I start it, tell people to use it, and then don't actually go Well, well fair enough. And certainly, uh, this is funny because this is kind of like an, an inter- internet criticism thing, and we got a really similar topic today. Uh, of course, I would really behoove our show if I posted a lot more on our Facebook page. The I agree. Is, I agree with that completely. But on the other hand, right? It's like when you hear a complaint and uh, whoever posted it, if you're listening, I'm not even talking about you specifically. So don't sweat it either way. So let's, we're not going to escalate this. Okay. But the immediate reaction is like, okay, so like every, whatever we're doing, it's just not enough for this person. This person just wants more. Oh, well, no, he's right. I hadn't said anything on that Facebook page for like three weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> totally warranted. Um, and the irony is that we have stuff that goes through our heads all the time, but then we like save it for the show. So we like intentionally don't put it it's somewhere It's true. Else. And, so, and, l- and listen, all you listeners, you certainly have no obligation to do anything. And we love that you're even listening to this right now. Um, but I would really like it also if listeners also commented on things that we said because uh, I've, I mean, I, we've both said some outrageous things, yeah. and uh, that's, worth, uh, that's worth some attention. That's yeah. worth some response. In, in their defense, when I get our website up where you can actually put a comment on each show, then it'll make more sense. Anyway, That we, will be really cool. Yes. Super that duper cool. soon enough. And we don't need to just get all meta and talk about ourselves forever. So um, let's go into real topics. Uh, yes. I would a couple love things that. we want to touch on. I, I guess the most obvious this week is... Um, I mean, how do you how do you frame this? The the beer fish explosion? Yeah, that's the best way to say it. Okay. So as I as I start with many topics, if you weren't already aware, right, <laughs> this is what happened. And it's very loose. Uh let's I you know what I'd really like us to do? Let's uh and you can you can totally keep going, but I'd I'd really like us to like put together the pieces of the order of events because there's like I said on our Facebook just today, there's been a lot of bad press about this. But but you go first, and then I'll tell you By about that. By bad press, you just mean, like, incorrect or inaccurate? Or... Um, I, I mean a few different things, actually. Okay. Um, y- Usually the phrase bad press means negative. Incomplete and inaccurate. Okay. So I'm going to be the first to say I can't even follow what's going on, probably because of all the inaccurate press. Uh, but here's very simply, I'm just going to wrap it up. One guy said something, you know, pretty bullyish about... Another guy 
that guy got pissed off and said, "All right, screw it. I'm not making Fez two anymore." Okay, but let's let's. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure I, I fully believe that for you, that's all that you care about, and not not that that's all I care, but but that is the the summary, right? That, so there was, okay. so, there's one guy in the media, and where I don't even know what media he was from. So. Uh, he works for GameTrailers.com, this Marcus Beer person. Okay. And he also – he goes by the moniker uh, Annoyed Gamer. Yeah. So he basically – he makes his, his living off of like being angry. He, he has a reputation for being an a-hole and he relishes being an a-hole and this is the pool that he swims in every day. Yeah. Now, also Phil Fish, though he doesn't make his money on being kind of a whiny bitch, uh, if you saw Indie Game the movie – and pay attention to Phil Fish, you would see that he's a bit of an emotional fella. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you something, uh, and I'm going to elaborate later, but just real quick, when I saw Indie Game the Movie, I, that was the most amount of information that I was ever exposed to about what Phil Fish is like. And I, do, I did not like Phil Fish after that film. But now... I dislike Marcus Beer much, much more. Yeah. And I want to defend Phil Fish, actually. I really want to defend him, although I think that both characters have done um, really unreasonable and childish things. Yeah. So I see both sides. Let's, let's actually talk facts here. Okay, okay. What exactly did Beer do? Okay, so here's – I'm going to try and piece this, this together as best as I remember it, and then you just jump in whenever – whenever. So – I think this all started from when Marcus Beer was basically okay. Even before that, actually, this was so Xbox made their announcement like, okay, we're going to be like friendly to indies again. Okay, actually, I think it kind of leaked. Or, or Game Informer post. Was, okay, you know was what? In the midst of writing an article saying, "Hey, Microsoft's about to announce that there self-publishing you go. is going to be an option." Yes, you're totally right because they. At least Game Informer approached them, and it seems like multiple other outlets, maybe even Marcus Beer, approached Phil Fish and John Blow for opinions about this. You're right. It was a leak, and they didn't want to say anything about it because, now I'm just recalling, they haven't actually officially said anything, right? Microsoft hadn't. Microsoft hadn't. That's right. So they're like, we don't want to say anything. We were actually looking today trying to find uh, what the exact response was because in these situations, you really – you have to know what actually happened before you can judge the situation. And I'm really incensed at all the people that are judging this without understanding it. And maybe we don't even have the complete picture. But anyway. Oh, I'm certain that's the case. Yeah. But I'm hoping that we have at least a substantial enough picture that we're getting close to what you know, knowing what we're talking about. Anyway, so – from Phil Fish's specifically refusal to uh, comment on the issue, it seems as though Marcus Beer was kind of um, goading him to say something, and this repeated goading basically set him off. And so this started an argument between Fish and Marcus Beer. And uh, somewhere around the same time, I think maybe this was this was okay. So before this, actually, Marcus Beer was on a. Uh, a recorded video and audio program. Video podcast. Which, was video it from, podcast? Was it from Polygon or? Uh, sh- it, we, we should know this. This part I don't know. It was called Invisible Walls. Okay. He okay. very, very publicly had a speech about this. Very publicly. And the thing that he was very public about was, I mean, you can find it on the internet. You can watch it. You can listen to it. 
Um, we could link to it on our Facebook page if we, we could, were smart about it. We could totally do that if we were smart and conscientious. Um, Marcus's outburst was just completely inappropriate. Yeah, so I don't under I don't understand. Like I don't why why do you get? I mean, clearly he seems to gain some pleasure from this. Behavior. On, you're, you're leaving a bit a bit out here. So okay, Marcus Beer he goes onto this public forum, you know this this video podcast thing, and says these two guys, Blow, uh, John Blow and Phil Fish, are basically whining and he, saying no, we're not going to talk about this. And he goes on to say. If you want people to shill your games and talk about your stuff when you need help, you should be willing to talk about the fact that you're successful indie developers and what you think of this topic. So he was basically calling them out for just being whiny, like divas, not wanting to like get out of my face. We don't want to talk about it. That's right. Now what we're saying is that's probably not what happened. That's how he's characterizing it, right? As them being the whiny. can we say divas? Is divas? I think the word. Divas yeah, is the basically, word like? we're, we're too good to talk to you. We don't want to give an opinion. Is how he framed it. Right. What What I think the way that they framed it, although we don't know exactly, uh, my impression is that they just didn't want to talk, and he antagonistically right framed them as okay. Well, if they don't want to talk, since they're so successful, then they must be whiny divas. Oh, and he told other people, other press. He outright said to other press. You should just not promote their games anymore since they don't want to talk to you when this you need was, their help. You shouldn't talk to them when they need yours. Yeah, this is also completely uh, unreasonable and unprofessional. I, like, that's the, this is the way of me being nice about it, okay? I don't even understand how he can have – gosh, I don't want to say temerity twice in one episode. But I will because it's such a good word. The temerity to assume – that there is a quid pro quo relationship between press and developers and then to frame that as symbiotic. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Quid pro quo, by the way, is basically you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So yeah, he, and he saying, almost suggested that. He's like, you're not, you're not playing ball with us. You're not scratching our backs. So in retaliation, we should not chill your next game, right? Which also disrespects the, every single thing about making a game and promoting it. Yeah, which in the reverse, he would, just like every other journalist, say, no, I have journalistic integrity, and I'm not going to say your game is good just because, you know, you gave it to me earlier. or yeah, something Yeah, whatever like happened to um, just treat people fairly, and people don't owe other people anything unless they make an agreement to. How about that? Yeah, I wonder if Beer was just trying to be his regular prick self, and... Well, of it's, course. It's catching him more flack than he really expected. Of to. course, because he, I mean, you could just see how he relishes it. I mean, really, he's calling them a pair of fish. Yes. Right? And then he called That's the That's kind wi- of funny. I'll give him that. You know what? It's <laughs> funny, except for the fact that, like, these are actual people that you're just making fun of. Yes. And well, it was disrespectful. It's still kind of funny. Okay. Well, I didn't think it was funny because. Who. You're like who? Na- like who in this industry? What an adult! Like name calls people, and then he's calling the witness the witless. That was a dick move. Yeah, I don't know. It's like Brangelina, right? He's just coming up with a name, not witless. But anyway, anyway, we we've wasted an entire segment on this. I want to talk a little bit when we get back. Yeah, we haven't even gotten through the whole series of events yet. Yeah, I want to talk about my opinions of of uh, fish at the end of this because i think that has a much bigger impact than any of this other crap which yeah and there's and there's two sides and um both of them are bad and wrong and we'll give them equal share all right so we're gonna go to break talk about this a little bit more and then get on to topics that i think 
have more substance. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we are back. It is still Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Still sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. All right. So, so, <laughs> so you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Let me just go through the events, and then, um, and then I'll. I'll yeah, we were this. wicked confusing last segment for someone who didn't already know what was going on. So, after that tele, tele it's not televised. It was video recorded segment that uh, that we just talked about, where Marcus Spear. Um, Basically, said a lot just of, exploded and was angry. Yeah, and said a lot of personal things about fish. Yeah. So now this now this goes to Twitter, and there's huge Twitter arguments. And basically, after a long string of Twitter drama, at the end, Phil says, "I'm canceling Fez. It's not worth it anymore. I'm done. Yeah. He's done Fez, with the Fez industry. Dose. He's done with and and." He was careful to point out that it's not because of this one thing, and I believe this. It's because he's been attacked incessantly, probably much more, much worse than many of us have experienced public attacks. And why? I mean, well, I don't know. You tell me. Let's let's go to what you think about this because okay. because. So clearly Phil is feeling attacked, and that is because Phil is being attacked. And his response is, all right, fine, I'm getting out of the industry, screw this. Basically, it's like you're playing a board game and he just flips the whole thing over and says, forget it, I'm out of here. That's what it seems like to a lot – to everybody watching. But I think that this has been – I don't think that's a fair way to look at it. Look at it this way. He's been being attacked by about this for years. Well, what he's been attacked about is not this is a single topic, of course, but he's been threatened, attacked, terrorized on the internet by the the, mini, the legions of stupid people. Here's the thing: I am not willing to believe that he was attacked. Aside from the fact that Indie Game came out, the Indie yeah. Game, the movie. I mean, came he looked out, he looked really and, bad in Indie Game, and, and that looked, didn't help him. Yeah. You know, he looked like, and I'm basing my entire opinion off of of this appearance, him being like a bit of an emotional basket case. Uh, and there, there are like there is a subset of people on this earth, and we all have that friend, or if you don't, you are this person, um, who just is overly emotional, 
gives up really easy. You probably also get really obsessed with things when you when you do go for something. Like there's a whole set of characteristics that go go along with this type of person. So like he was clearly like in this game, down in it for years, building it this really strange game, Fez, and that's great. That's a good quality. But he's also super. Uh, like attached to what people are saying on the internet. And I'm just not willing to believe that what people are, were hassling about for years and years are something that other people don't get. Plenty of big game developers see all of this crap in forums about how much their game sucks because maybe there's one tiny bug someone comes across. Yeah, and he I, just... I think his mistake was that he is instead of at least attempting to or giving a good faith effort to ignore it, and in a minute you'll see why he chose those words, he really just makes it worse. Yeah. And he, he just engages it way too deeply and way too seriously. Part of it is that as an indie developer and as the like single figurehead for the, the Fez creation, like he had a partner, but it was basically him and one other dude. Yeah, and there, and there were other people involved yeah. too, if I'm not mistaken. Very, it was a small shop and it was definitely his game, right? So any criticism of the game fell on him. So that's much different than, True. for instance, someone criticizing one of your games where you're like, well, the publisher made us do this and we had a restricted timeline and we didn't have the budget. That's, that's very and- true. When, when you're the top guy, you are subject to uh, much more attacks. Yeah. So on one hand, I feel for the guy. He's getting attacked and uh, it wasn't necessarily warranted. The things people say online are pretty much hideous. That said, he should know that the things people say online are pretty hideous and usually 13 year old boys and you should dismiss them. And then when beer comes along and says something, I'm like, all right, you perhaps a semi-educated guy who gets some attention as a member of the press kind of being a dick. I get being upset and like maybe even having a little anger match over Twitter, but to then say, Hey, throwing up my hands and not making this game. Like that has actual consequence. And for the record, I don't believe he's actually not going to make the game. I think he's just, having an emotional outburst and he'll get back to it but i I don't possibly i I don't know because i see the thing was is even though this seemed like it was just like okay i'm gonna take my ball and go home it i think what it really was more like was it's just there was just way too much outside pressure and influence on him and he just couldn't stand it anymore and you know what i don't think that anybody has to endure like that kind of continuous attack yeah, but you know what? If he didn't read his Twitter account, if he didn't read the forums, he would just be sitting in his room making his game. Yeah. Well, you know what? Right now, his Twitter is protected. Yeah. So No one's going to his house yelling at him from the street saying, your game sucks. You're a loser. Like, that doesn't happen. Oh, but some of them want to. And Fine. <laughs> right. <But laughs> and what he, if they could? He chooses to pay attention to the internet. And the minute you choose to pay attention to the internet, you you accept that this is going to happen. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like... Um, and this is really interesting because this leads into something that John Blow actually said about this um, because John Blow has been the subject of a lot of hate also. And the way that he framed it was, look, the problem is is that as soon as you read the thing, the emotional reaction is there and it's already too late. You've already had the emotional reaction just by reading whatever's there. Yeah. And, and that's true. However... See, this is the kind of thing that, you know, maybe isn't isn't so much valued in our society as much as I wish it would be. Because my inclination is, look, you know, we don't have control over our emotions. 
We don't have control over how we feel about something when we see something. Okay, that is a that is an innate reaction that's automatic. But we do have control over how we're going to react to those emotions. And so action is valuable and critical to perform, but feeling is not as much when you're talking about being out in the world. And so my philosophy is like, and I'm sure you're, you're this way too, in a lot of ways at least, you can, you can feel however you want about something, right? But it just matters how you react to it. And if you don't actually effortfully train yourself to react to things in reasonable ways, if you just listen to only your emotion, then you're going to be a slave to it for the rest of your life. And you're never going to learn how to free yourself from that. And so people get into these kind of like developmental, like psychologically developmental ruts because human activity has a tendency to uh, – we're, we're creatures of habit. It's that simple, right? And so if you have a habit, if you've like if – you, if it's the way you were raised, if maybe your parents did stuff like this and you learn from your parents because that's, that's what we do. We learn from our parents in that way. Then you don't have your – if you never actually try to like, okay, well, this makes me angry, but I'm not going to lash out. If you never try that, then every single time you hear something that makes you angry and you do lash out, that is going to make you better and stronger at lashing out. That is not – it is going to make it, in fact, harder to control yourself every time. And so every time I have an emotional reaction to things, this is what I think about. And I think it's very healthy for people to be cognizant of this. Yeah. And <sighs> – and that's what I'm saying. I think he's emotional. And by that, I mean uh, doesn't put the filter between the emotion yeah. and the reaction. But the thing is, like, I'm not going to blame Phil Fish. I don't I, – this is funny because this is totally 360 – not 360, 180 from where I was after watching indie movie. Now that I'm seeing him being the subject of an attack, a rather vicious one, I mean, that it just seems completely unfair to me. I really feel like it's like, look – you know, you haven't been in his shoes. You haven't been brought up the way he's been brought up. You haven't experienced what it's like to be him. You don't know the things he does. So how can you say that he has to be a certain way? Because he only knows how to be from the way that he's been brought up and from his life experiences. And maybe those are suboptimal, right? But everyone's everyone's trying to make a go in this world the way they know how to. We, at this point, we might be digging a little deeper than his reality because what we were focusing on is the fact that Beer simply said you should have been willing to talk. Yeah. Okay, okay. I want to cut this thread, but there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a couple other things that we got to say that this is, this is crazy, okay? So first of all, uh, there was – and this is the bad reporting that I want to mention, okay? I'm getting really sick of these video game headlines that – are not just like sensational, not just like oh exaggerating, but they're just completely misrepresenting things so that you're like, wow, I want to read about this. I'm tired of it. I'm so tired of this. What's an example? There's an, there was an examiner. Examiner I'm getting really sick of because you know what examiner is doing? No. Examiner, if, if you look, if you go to examiner.com, it looks like something really like journalistic and official, but it's really just like a, like a blog service where anyone can be a quote-unquote examiner. So you can write for them and you get your own blog, but there's no, editor, there's no uh, editing. 
there's no anything. You just say whatever you want. So there was an, there was an examiner piece where the headline was basically, uh, Phil Fish told Marcus Beer to kill himself. Oh, yeah. I saw okay. that one a bunch. So, okay. So here's what really happened, right? So in the Twitter exchange, one of the, Phil Fish's tweets is, compare your life to mine and then kill yourself. You ever heard that statement before? Does that ring any bells? No. No. It actually turns out that um, that's a, it's a Zoidberg quote from Futurama. Nice. There's this one scene where, like, I don't even remember how it happened, but he's, he's like, he's a head on the ground, and he's talking to, like, a dog or something. And so he's lower. His head is lower than whatever he's talking to. And then he's like, compare your life to mine and then kill yourself. And that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's funny. That's one. But two, I mean, go kill yourself. Like, this is somehow a physical threat. This was now in response framed as a physical threat. Right? No, I'm with you. That that came up Come in on. several articles. Let's be right. fair. Come on. All right. We're really going to talk about other stuff when we get back. I promise. We are back. No more fish talk. Okay, fine. I do feel bad for the guy. I, I want to... You know what? I really effed up last uh, episode. Last episode or last yeah. segment? No, last episode. What'd we do? Uh, well, it was me. It wasn't you. Remember okay. when we were, we were talking about um, Lorne Lanning? And I was like, wait a minute. Dude, wasn't he in the Xbox press conference? Oh, yeah. That was the PS3 press conference. Probably the PS4. That would, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't have a press conference about a console that's been out for several years already. Okay. Hey, you know, that whole last half of the show where we were just talking about the interaction between beer and fish, yeah. we kind of skipped over the part that, oh, Microsoft's going to let people self-publish, which was kind of the meat of that entire thing. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that was the catalyst, I suppose. Yeah. So I guess there's not too much to talk about here. Apparently, Microsoft, as they've been doing, keep changing their tune and are going to make it uh, so you can self-publish and also that the Xbox itself will act as a de- development kit which was always the case by the way but only through like yeah, special well, they're, software they're getting they're getting so much bad PR that they're doing such serious da- I'm actually surprised at how drastically they're doing damage control yeah what's more interesting to me is looking at the larger picture like they decided they were going to change things it's all going to be different and what they realized was you know what nobody wants your change they kind of like things the way they've evolved over the last 30 years. So try not to be, you know, that giant diverger. Um, yeah. And I, well, I kind of like that they're going back. I like I like evolution. I like people coming out with new things. I like the idea that you could run all your games with the disc in there. Yeah. But they, they were going too far off course and pissing people off. It's interesting to see them just going back. Like, and everything they were doing is now like, ah, you know what? Forget absolutely every interesting thing. Or every interesting new style thing, we're just going to go back to the way it was with a fancier machine. It, it appears to me, na- as a naive outsider to Microsoft, that they're 
marketing culture is seeping through because they, they have this weird attitude of like, this is just like every, everything they do is like, this is going to be so revolutionary and they just overstate it. They just sell it so hard and it's just so extreme with everything. It just, you just can't help but just get the sense that it's disingenuous. Well, you know what's funny about it is Apple does the same thing. Like, they remove the disk drives. They they change everything. They're always the first people to, like, just change how things yeah, are. I'm not talking about just changing things. I'm saying whatever they change, they, they like, they just consider, consistently seem to overstate uh, the value of the change that they are introducing. Oh, but uh, when I'm saying Apple does that, too, they're all no. like, this is the most amazing thing since sliced bread. And really, yeah, it's maybe, just a bigger hard driver. Maybe so. The difference is that Apple doesn't listen. They're like... We are so sure that this is the right move. You can bitch and moan and whine and it doesn't matter because in a year after you've been using it, you'll agree and everybody else is going to follow us. Ah, yes. And so Microsoft, if they're going to make that change, they need to be ready to double down. Now, I disagree with the change. I disagree with a lot of things they were doing. But if they wanted to, if they wanted to be Apple, which it's clear they want to be, they need to just be like, this is the way we're going and we're not going to turn around. We're going to be the people, you know, blazing the new path. And uh, that's where they went wrong. They, they made a decision to change, and then we're, we're ready to reverse course. And uh, It's tricky. It's even trickier when there's millions and millions of dollars at stake, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, Steve Jobs was the sly fox that would be willing to double down. Because yeah, he never to, cared. He didn't care about money. Because he never cared. Yeah. But... Anyway. Again, I'm glad that they did reverse, but maybe maybe I'm sure. Well, yeah, I okay. am too, of course. So uh, speaking on this topic a little bit, right at the end of last the show last week, I, uh, I mentioned something that I wanted to give a little bit more time to. I'll try not to take too much, though, because we've got other things to get to. But I was talking with my friend over a very long, long text conversation about the potential for this next generation to do what every other one does, where, like, you buy the system, and then, yeah, you can sell it for more that week if you want. And... Um, I was putting the pieces together economically and just like I mentioned to you last week that I saw, I think it was on Polygon, a, a thing on the website saying analyst says that they're going to be hard to find or, or that's right. This like is that. this is the, the most highly paid analyst in the whole industry. I don't know. who He was, he was probably from EDOR. Anyway, I was telling my friend, this is going to be definitely a seller's market as soon as these, the Xbox one and the PS4 release. And, uh, you know, here here was the reasoning for it. First of all, pre-orders exist for these systems, which they never have. You couldn't pre-order the Xbox 360. You couldn't pre-order the PS3. Do you recall this? Me and my Target story of waiting in line and whatever? Yeah, I remember your line stories, but I actually I didn't remember that you could never pre-order them because I usually ignore that as much as possible. Yeah. Games have been pre-orderable for a long time. Yep. This generation is more... And, and sometimes crazy, so bad that if you don't, they'll tell you if you don't have a pre-order, we won't sell to you. Yeah. So anyway, you can pre-order a system for the first time. Uh, I mean, you could with some systems in the last few years, uh, but this is the first big system release. Um, so that's weird, though. It doesn't. Wouldn't that indicate that there would be less scarcity this time, since they're permitting pre-orders? They're permitting pre-orders so that they get all the orders filled, right? But but beyond, it's not that you can just pre-order. It's that they knew within like two days that pre-orders were outsold. All right, you can't get them anymore. So clearly, there's going to be scarcity. Um, 
So pre-orders are already outsold. Is what yeah, you're and then they keep releasing more. So okay, Amazon's letting you buy more, letting you buy more. But it's like every month, maybe Best Buy has a few more allocated, and I'm sure it's because Microsoft and Sony keep adjusting their their production, um, you know, estimates. Oh yeah, or yeah. I mean, the, the console release is a really high risk move in general. Yeah, but so so this situation is we know that there's going to be high demand or, or um, excuse me, short supply. We know there's short supply. We know that there's fixed retail prices, which means that they're not meeting the, the potential cost curve, right? Because they're selling it okay. uh, low because of low supply. Right. Um, there's high demand, which is consistently pushed higher by the fact that we have an unusually long waiting period between the two generations, right? So more and more people than ever are going to want a new system. And, and like I said, we're aware that there's a lack of supply. So like this is the textbook seller's market. And the fact that, like, there was a little thing like, oh, there's, it's going to be a, you're going to be able to sell your system for a lot of money online. Uh, I just found a little bit laughable since every piece of information you can see publicly just makes it so obvious. So uh, my advice to you, dear listener, is if you are out a few hundred bucks and you can live with not having your system um, the first week it comes out or perhaps the first two months that it's available, you can make a lot of money if you go pre-order at all the places that allow you to pre-order them. Like, get one at every store you can. Get 10 of them and then sell them for lots and lots of money because there will be a huge markup. Um, unless, of course... these are already so expensive. Yeah, unless, of course, uh, so many people try to do this in anticipation that they actually outbuy the demand. Yeah. My, my guess is that the $500 Xbox One will be selling for eight to $900 commonly. Not like high bid, but commonly selling for eight to $900 um, actually, no. It would probably go to an even thousand just because humans are comfortable with even numbers like that. Okay. Probably I'm going to hold you to that. 900 to $1,000 for the first uh, couple of weeks that it's available. And that's that's a lot of return. So, anyway, people should, should definitely do that if you want to make some money. Why not just pre-order 50? Well, yeah. Pre-order one at every store you can, you can get your hands <laughs> on. Right? I, just, I ordered one of each, and I'm going to keep them. But, uh, you know, you know, I haven't ordered any, and actually, I don't think I, I will do this. And it's it's interesting because, so I think it's totally fine if somebody wants to buy these, or maybe even like one or two of these, right? And just for the express purpose of reselling, what I don't think is fine is people who will buy a large amount of stock, like fifty. And then try to resell that. I, I don't think that's cool. I think that's kind of immoral. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think buying a lot and reselling them is, is not cool, then... I mean, what you're I mean it's certainly... Not, you don't agree with free market. It's certainly but, legal. No, yeah. it's... See, 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 here's the thing. I do believe in a free market, but I, I also believe in um, coolness. <laughs> so, for example... See, the thing that I don't want to do... Like, my, my, like I value giving somebody an opportunity to buy something at a reasonable price more than preventing the, like preventing them from buying one at all. So, you know, I, I don't mind if people make a little bit of money on these kinds of things, but you know, I, I don't, I, it doesn't seem right to me and I have no, you're I mean, basically saying as long as you leave room for the kid who only has $500 to also get the system. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Cause that's the person that I'm thinking of, right? The somebody who just barely has enough money for it. Um, I actually, I, I want them to have a chance to buy it more than I want to make money off them. Yeah. No, so. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want the kids to be playing the games. Although, 
really as it stands, if you can spend five hundred dollars, you can probably spend a thousand. Like if you can barely scrape together five hundred, you should keep your five hundred bucks. Well, yeah, and of course, me being me, I would never pay more than retail price for anything. So I I I consider all of this market to be outrageous because I can't understand why any of those suckers would do that. Yeah, well, get it? Uh, people have more money than they can deal with, but. It'll it'll be interesting to see if my my estimates are right. So what else we got? We got a lot yeah. of stuff. I know we do. Okay, there was what, oh, I definitely wanted to talk about we I've been I've been that leaving website. this off. The headset. The headset that electrifies your head. Oh man, I you Ready for it. this? Okay. All right. Uh they ha- it's called it's called uh folk.us like focus. And I think it's supposed to be pronounced that way. Okay. So if you go to www.folk.us. Probably don't even need the Ws. Then you can, you can go to their website and find out that for $249, you can purchase a transcranial direct current stimulation headset. And what does this do? Well, it simply overclocks your brain to increase the plasticity. This is ridiculous. That's right. They're, they're, uh, another one of their taglines is let the force of electricity excite your neurons into firing faster. So I'm looking at this thing and I went to the website and I'm like, how could this possibly be real? And it's kind of scary. And I, I, Maybe I do it believe, is real. I, don't, I have no way of knowing. You know what? I believe it's real uh, because I did some, a little bit of research on it. Apparently somebody – the U.S. military actually uses this technology and it's – Apparently, it actually reduces for what the, drone pilots. Yes, for yes, for drone pilots exactly, and for snipers and things like that. And they usually apply about one to two milliamps to the cranium. And this apparently, like, really does make your neurons fire faster. And also, apparently, uh, somebody decided to uh, use a nine volt battery as their power source for a home uh, styled do it yourself project. And you should not do that because that nine volt battery it made him go blind. It's almost, yeah, you went blind temporarily because it's like a thousand times the, the current you're supposed yeah. to. Yeah. All right, then if it works, you can have too much. Everybody go buy one. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we are back for the last time, but only this week. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. You know, 
I have said many, many times that we are sponsored by the University of Adventing Technology and their website, uat.edu. This is show 496, uh, which means we've actually done almost 496 episodes of the show. I'm curious if our listeners have requests, anything they would like us to do for the 500th episode, um, anything specific, or we're probably not going to do a highlights reel because that would actually take work. And yeah, not be that's, interesting. That's true. Yeah. And, and considering our track record. Yeah. But uh, if there's a topic, even if it's historical or something, um, I would be interested in hearing what, what people think. And if anybody's been with us for a long time that they actually remember some of the old stuff, just been around for a while, po- post up on Facebook. I'm curious who's, who's been here since the beginning, if there's anybody left. And, of course, we, we always love topic suggestions. Uh, we, we get them. We read them all. Joe. <laughs> We don't always use all of them, but we always appreciate them, Joe. Yeah. So anyway, uh, email us, Facebook us, whatever. Um, Something I was reading before the show today was an article I thought was interesting um, based on a discussion from the the Playdom senior game designer, which Playdom is like a casual game developer. Sounds pretty casual. Yeah. And he was talking about how it is... The, the quote used in this story is called Poisoning the Ocean. I think that's a silly quote. The, the article is about... Uh, yeah, that's a little when, dramatic, wouldn't yeah, you say? When you shut down your servers for a game. Right? Now, we're talking about a, like a free-to-play type of game where most of the money that's made is through in-game transactions. And there is this whale phenomenon where most of the money that the game makes is by these people who will exorbitantly spend way more than everybody else. Yeah, and it doesn't even technically it doesn't need to be free to play. It just needs to be a game that allows for tra- transactions post purchase. Yeah, um, that's particularly true. ongoing transactions. So yeah, like you, like Ara said, this this whale phenomenon of some users, like most of the money is made by a small number of users. Um, who or just, from right. Just, just willing. Yeah, they're they're willing to spend lots of money on this game for whatever reason. They're really interested in this game, um, or they got just they connected just to mom and dad's credit card. Can't or spend enough money. Sometimes that's a, that yeah. can be a problem. So then the question is, when do you turn off the server and and just basically shut your game down? All right, we no longer support this game. Except these people have all this stuff that they've bought, this emotional investment that they've made over time in this game. And he says that you know the the major cost to a game is continued development, not, as some people might think, the the ongoing cost of just keeping a server running or a farm of servers running. Um, the cost of the electricity in the computers is actually minimal, and he argues that it's a really bad idea to shut off your game while there's still people playing it. And I'm sure there's a threshold eventually. If there's only three people playing, you're probably going to turn it off. But um, well, there's I mean, there's definitely a, an, an opportunity cost ratio happening here, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, but basically, he he's suggesting that by through this discussion, he's suggesting that uh, people are generally turning off games too early and not doing anything to satisfy the gamers who are still there. And he makes the argument that your whales, the ones who stay in it for the long haul and don't want to give it up, they're emotionally invested to the point that when you shut it off, it actually divests them from your game and from your environment, meaning other games you might offer, uh, they become disinterested in maintaining a relationship with you because you cut them off. It's, it's painful for them. And so he says, really, you should be willing to keep, even if you're not going to develop that game any longer, you should keep your servers running. And if the time comes that you are going to shut it off, 
when the time comes, you should be ready to be in contact with those players who are still there and do something nice to them. And specifically, the one thing I found most valuable in this in this article, which I'm pulling up again right now, was like the very, very last line in it, which is loading super slowly right now. Let me get to it. It's incredibly obvious, especially for someone who's been involved in customer service for a long time like I have. He says, treat your players with love, not contempt. It's only common sense. And that that one little quote to me is how I could basically sum up a ton of the problems that exist in yeah, this industry. It's not even contempt, though. You don't even have to go to contempt. You just don't treat them like numbers. Treat them like they're people who've invested what they have into your product. Yeah, It right? just makes sense to treat them like real people, to communicate properly, to give them what they want. Yeah. When you give people what they want, then you succeed. Or and, when you uh, treat them like a human being. You succeed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I, I found this particular article very interesting. It's from Polygon, if anybody wants to read yeah. it. Well, here's the funny thing. It's like, obviously, the company who decides to shut down a server has done some kind of due diligence on deciding how much money they're spending or going to save by shutting them down. So, like they, Like, the way that you read the article, it sounds like whoever wrote it was implying that these companies don't know how much money their servers are costing. However, I think what he really intended to say, and maybe he wasn't as explicit as he should have been, was that it, it seems like the point is that the, the cost to cutting off a whale is much greater than you would expect, and it has unexpected... As it yeah, they, they weren't taking into account costs be beyond the short yeah, term. Yeah. So that's that you know what that sounds really um I mean that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. I have a somebody related a story to me once about a there there's free to play games in other countries that have more extreme monetization models than we do here. And the thing that happens in those kinds of extreme monetization models is that Players who buy stuff, right, not only do they get better more dramatically than everyone else who doesn't buy the stuff, right? Better, you mean? Like in the game. Okay. Like in performing in the game because their stats are better. So what happens is that they they actually become so dominant that in some cases when I've heard of situations where Basically, like whales are marked and known by the developer. And then when they leave, sometimes they are so valuable that the developer, maybe sometimes the president of the company, will contact them and be like, hey, why did you leave? Hey, we'll, we'll make some new items just for you. Please come back. Wow, there is a huge grin on my face. They actually cater, and I mean, this, this yes, actually doesn't they, surprise me because it happens. sounds like casinos. They, they will develop product for everyone, but specifically for the express purpose of keeping that whale in the game. That is interesting. So are you saying that basically the the revenue from this one player is so valuable? Yeah. Or, like, or that person leaving has a larger effect on the rest of the community? Well, it, it's actually, you know what? It's... it's um, it has both of those effects. So, yeah, it can happen so both like ways. Other, other people might decide, oh, well, that guy left. I'm not interested in the game anymore. He was offering something. 
it's hard it's hard to conceive without having an understanding of what game we're talking about yeah it was game it was uh i don't i don't even remember what it was that would be interesting if you could create a game so much in such a way that the players actually affect the experience of the other players and this almost seems obvious right like yeah in world of warcraft if i'm not mistaken actually i think this was a case of a game that it was a russian game where there were so few players you would be astounded how few players there were but the the few at the top were just putting in so much money that they were basically sustaining funding wow that is a, a very risky model but i mean that's this this is the ultimate extreme of the free to play model second life it? seems like this would be a good example of this where like someone building a universe that other people can interact with might have a, a grand effect on a community although i'm not familiar enough with the logistics of second life usually people just get their own space and hang out in it i thought yeah but but something like that i don't i don't know anything about second life yeah okay let's talk about oh yeah okay i always i'm always standoffish about this and like just don't care about anything to do with the oh yeah or oh yeah or whatever it is okay well you can you can you know either interrupt me and comment or just sit there i'm just so uninterested by it this is the thing. This, okay, well, I, I, you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to interest you by what I have to say. So when the Oya came out, and I'm sure most people didn't even notice, and because it, I mean, actually, I don't even know how it's selling. But th- a really interesting statistic was released that 73 percent of owners have not bought a game. Yeah, haven't spent a dime since turning it on. Yeah, doesn't mean they haven't been playing anything because there's right. demos for everything. What? Why do you think this is? Okay, let I, me. Give, I don't know how that compares to other things, though. Exactly. So let me just plant this little seed. This is the company that made a console that announced what this figure was. What do you, What do you mean? If it's like this on this console, I wonder what it's like on Xbox. What I What I read said it's actually doing better than we thought. Right. Only. 73% haven't bought anything, which means the 27% who have purchased something is better than they expected. Um, well, I actually, I, I thought that they were just talking with what you just said with just strictly the money that they've made and not necessarily the ratios of things. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it might have been revenue. I thought it was... Yeah, here's my angle, though. Percent. I've always believed that there's a huge proportion of people who have bought Xbox 360s who buy almost no games because of just the vast landscape of free demos on there. I And this this I believe only supports my argument. So I am not like that. You I know you you're download, not like that. You download tons of demos. Yeah, but just to play them and th- just to see what they're like. Yeah. I don't play them over and, and over. And I I don't for whatever reason. Honestly, before it came out, I would have expected I would. Yeah. But I don't in practice. And so I just assume other people are like me, and I think you're assuming the same thing. Other people are like you. No, I'm actually assuming that people are not like me at all because if they were like me, uh, if, I, if I did assume that, then I wouldn't have this position because, I, I mean, I don't get enjoyment from playing the demos. I'll play it once, and then 99% of the time I'll, it, it's crap, and then I won't play it again. Uh, but I do believe that there are a lot of people who get a lot of enjoyment out of playing a demo over and over because they're tight on cash, and there's just so many demos 
and you can have a lot if you're not performance minded, right? I'm a really performance minded player. If you're not really performance minded, if you're not really progression minded, you can get a lot of enjoyment just from playing demos and not spending a dime. I think it's much greater than what much most people give credit to. Okay. Well, I certainly don't have the numbers, but it is still a bit staggering. Yeah. Well, well, no one but Oya oh yeah, would probably say what the numbers are, right? So. Yeah. It was kind of them to actually make a statement. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of fascinating insight. All right. So we're approaching the end. There's something else that you wanted to talk about for a while now. Okay. Yeah, I've been like leaving this off for a while, and this is tangentially related, but I I, want to just say a couple of words about it because it's going to get too old if we wait any longer. Basically, we're adding a few minutes to the end of the show so that we can put this to bed. Okay, this is bonus seduction talk for all of you seduction fans and for everybody who also gets upset about seduction talk. You yeah. made it through the whole show. It's been a few months since we've gone to this topic. Yeah, so um, this is a little uh, gift from me to all of you. There were, and, and this, and you'll see how it's tangentially related to video games too. So there was, this past E3, there was a couple of press stories that came out about basically gender issues that happened during E3 or sexism issues, social interactions, that were um, that had some kind of uh, I don't know sexual baggage about them one way or the other. So specifically, uh, it was written about that there was this one party that I th- I don't know what party it was, but there were a couple of employees, and I suppose they were bungee employees. I think um, it doesn't really matter. And they they were hit, well okay so it's industry event but it's a bar and it's not in the conference it's after hours and there's drinks being served and of course there's always this contention about well even though it's after hours and it's at a bar and drinks are being served you should still be really professional and i agree it's best to be you should be nobody ever actually follows those rules though but yeah because the because the reality of um human interaction and human things is that when you serve people drinks people get loose it's um, pretty well established. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not saying it's alcohol's fault, but this is just the kind of environment where it's – you see it very frequently and it's not really that surprising. Anyway, what happened was a couple of game developers basically hit on a girl and this girl happened to be related to someone in the press. And so this became a big press story. And these developers were really um, – I feel like actually unfairly called out for their actions and you know maybe they weren't the most tactful right basically basically what they did was they insulted her and they talked to uh the guy who was the press guy who was related to her right afterward and they mentioned something about uh you know yeah like uh, like it's uh something about yeah if you you know if you neg a girl it works right okay so the reference – so there's a little jargon here. So the reference – neg is a seduction term that's supposed to mean a basically an, a backhanded compliment. And the intent of that device is that you want to communicate with somebody. You want to express something, but you don't want to supplicate them in that expression. That is what it's supposed to be, okay? Can I describe it in a, in a more layman? Yeah, okay. Okay, so basically, 
people who know they're hot need to be brought down a peg sometimes. And so if you don't just feed them compliment after compliment after compliment, if you're a little bit more real with them or maybe notice an imperfection, it brings them down to reality. And that's, I think the neg is also rooted in that sort of psychology. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and the other, the other, actually there's another aspect to it where the thing that if a properly delivered neg, what it does is that it shows that um, you're not interest, you're not trying to please them. You don't want something from them. Right? Yeah. Here's the problem. And I'm really well aware of this problem because I've made it many times, repeatedly. Really repeatedly. Okay? <laughs> but this is this is why these people don't deserve this criticism is because look, the whole I've never reason, heard this story, by the way. Yeah. I've never heard anything about this. Yeah, this is why I I've been so eager. I talk about the seduction Kickstarter thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, there's that's more. Where I, that's where I thought we were going. Holy with. smokes. Okay, I, I completely forgot about that one too. So, look, here's the thing. The, th- the impetus behind studying seduction is not an adversarial one. It is not about insulting women. That's just how it looks sometimes because people who practice it, what they're doing is they're practicing their social skills. And making mistakes. Exactly. And you have to make mistakes before you understand what is right. And it's not just an intellectual understanding. It's a deep emotion, deeply rooted and integrated into your being in an emotional and operational understanding of what to do and what is correct and what is actually not insulting. And the way to do that is you get out of your comfort zone and if you're not sure if something's right or not, you try it and you find out and you learn. And the thing that people who criticize seduction don't understand is that seduction is actually truly about being able to relate to females or the opposite gender in a way that is the most respectful of understanding what the other gender is. And it's it's very hard to see how that can be without deeply studying this thing because when you see people practice it, they do it wrong because everybody does it wrong a million times before they do it right. And you have to do it wrong sometimes a million times before you get it right. And I think that there is no shame in a kind of pursuit like this because our industry look, I mean, we grew up as nerds. Our industry is filled with nerds. We're filled with people who didn't have adequate social contact in order to learn these kinds of social norms. And what these kinds of, uh, it's not even social norms, right? What it is, is being able to dance about in the social atmosphere competently. And the problem is, is that we've had such lack of this growing up you and me, and probably a lot of people listening, and probably most game developers too, we've, we never actually acquired these skills. And what society tends to do is it's like, well, instead of doing something wrong, if you're not sure, society just tells you shut up. Society just tells you not to try. Don't stick your neck out. Just do the safe thing because if you don't talk, that is polite. You can't be unpolite if you don't say anything, right? 
and if you don't move and if you don't physically do anything, right? And so the default is to not do anything, right? But what kind of I mean, what kind of world is that? I don't want to I don't want a culture where everybody is scared to engage with people. I want to I want a culture where people are unafraid to engage because the only way that we can learn how to engage with each other competently in a way that's actually beneficial for everybody non-adversarially is to try it is to practice it and if you're not sure try it anyway and make the mistake and you have to risk embarrassing yourself you have to risk maybe somebody will be offended but there is a good end to this yeah. so in summation give those guys a little flack I'm glad to see they're trying to learn and just yeah. so we don't get anybody who doesn't understand, this would totally work in a gay relationship too. It doesn't have to be opposite gender. And it actually, it actually, okay, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. I'd Maybe. want to put that on record. Okay. Um, all right. Well, officially end of the show now. We will be back next week. And next month, August, is the month of show 500. I'm very excited about that. I could uh, I could be more excited, but I'm a little excited. It's a, it's a landmark. Yeah. Anyway, we'll be back. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.